Hello and welcome to another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. I'm Dino Varelli, founder and CEO of Project Purple. And today we're back in the studio. Haven't been in the studio in a while. Um, and we also have someone on the phone, but we've got a guest here in the studio. We've got uh, someone that you folks have heard from before who's been involved in Project Purple quite a few times, I would say. It's kind of maybe an understatement. Keelan Hodgkins DeMario. Keelan, thank you for coming down to the studio and joining us on the Project Purple podcast once again. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming. And on the phone, all the way out in beautiful, sunny Long Island, the Hamptons, our program manager for our fitness, our walk, run, and all of our third parties, Vin Camp. Hey, Vin, how are you? Great. Thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. So today's podcast is going to be a little bit different from what the stories we usually share in the past. Uh, we wanted to focus on giving our participants and our community an opportunity to hear about our virtual fundraising platform. And as things have changed pretty dramatically, very quickly, uh, I think COVID started in March and we're already into June here, uh, you know, just shortly in three months, the idea of gathering with friends and family to fundraise or to run a race or to work out even with friends and your, your fellow gym mates at your CrossFit or at your fitness facility to raise funds for Project Purple has dramatically changed to say the least. And what we wanted to do is share real stories of success in the virtual landscape. And we've been out there fundraising still because our mission needs that. Uh, one thing that has not stopped with COVID is this thing called pancreatic cancer. Sadly, I think people have been scared to go to doctors and go to hospitals because of the COVID pandemic, which if anyone who's listening should not have that fear because I think right now the hospitals and doctor's offices are probably some of the safest places to be just because there's such a heightened awareness of COVID in those facilities and institutions and offices. So pancreatic cancer hasn't stopped and neither can we. So we have changed our model a bit to be I guess what we would say, I guess with the times, everything's virtual now. Um, it's not what it was six months, a year ago. Um, we hope that this doesn't persist and this is not what fundraising looks like in the next six months or year. But while it's here, we're gonna embrace it. We're gonna have a lot of fun with it. We're gonna raise a lot of money and we're gonna have a lot of success doing what we do. So with that, we wanted to kind of start and give our audience an opportunity here, as I said, from the three of us who have all done virtual events over the past couple of months since COVID started and had great success. And so our format for today's podcast is we're going to talk about the concepts. We're going to share some tidbits about what worked, what didn't work, talk about the time that we spent in total to give everyone a realistic expectation of what they should expect talk about results because that is important. And then we'll, we'll end on some fun stuff. So with that agenda, we're going to pass the mic off first to Keelan because her event was one of the first virtual events realistically here that we had when this all happened. I know you were kind of training for a couple of things 
And then I believe it was early April or mid-April that that event started. So I'm going to pass the mic off to Keelan and she's going to share what her concept was. So uh, I had just come off of the New York City half marathon uh, being canceled. Um, and I knew that Basically, at that point, any summer fundraising plans I had for the Chicago Marathon weren't going to be able to materialize because I had a lot of stuff involved with local businesses and restaurants. Um, and I think it was two days after I ran my virtual like half marathon around town that all the local restaurants shut down, all the stores shut down. So I knew that I had to come up with something else. Um and I'd always wanted to sort of locally have, you know, maybe some type of like 5K race or something for my aunt, but that was always way too much to take on. Um, so I came up with this idea of having a virtual run walk uh, for her. Um, and I just took a theme with numbers. I took her birth date, which was April 14th. Um, and I gave people the option of running either 4.14 miles or 1.14 mile walk. Um, and it, the registration fee was $14. Um, and people could participate anytime they wanted, but, you know, ideally it was to take place, uh, on my aunt's birthday. Um, and my aunt, her name was Cassie. Uh, so I dubbed it Cassie's Crusade. Um, and, uh, Vin actually helped me out. Uh, we set everything up on race roster, um, and people registered through that. Um, and yeah, I took a time where I kind of felt like, you know, everything was so crazy with COVID and it just seemed like a great time to kind of do something positive for people because like you said before, you know, pancreatic cancer isn't canceled. So um, to be able to do something to generate funds at a time where everything was shut down was important. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. I mean, I think, you know, we internally get a lot of questions a lot of times, and especially now with everything that's happening, you know, with regards to being able to fundraise in this environment. And I think the one thing with your event was that it was so early on. I mean, it was like really in the beginning stages. So a lot of what we know today, and it seems like this is such a fluid situation that we're in this pandemic and everyone listening is in this, so it's it's no different. But like the whole face mask thing wasn't an issue back then. Like that was, you know, it's required now to be out in public in most states throughout the country. But so, yeah, it was, it was really fascinating to see like how that success was early on. And I, I feel like you know, there was almost like a pioneering moment because no one was really talking about it at that point. So, you know, it was tremendously successful, which we're going to talk about the results a little bit later, but, you know, it was just so early on. And I think maybe a little bit was like shock and awe for people as well, um, as we were sitting back here. Um, but it, it was awesome to just see, I think the theme around, you know, your aunt, which was, you know, we've always said in this circle of, of fundraising, and I think this is something that holds true to these virtual events and virtual success is if you have a theme and you have meaning around it, you're going to do really well. 
you know, and I think that's something for our listeners at home that are thinking about this, you know, replicating any of these ideas that we talk about today. I think this will probably come up a lot as just a theme, you know, and have meaning around that. So awesome. Thank you for sharing that concept. So I'll go next. Uh, my concept and my event was second, if we look at this from a chronological standpoint, was my birthday. And so traditionally, I, I've usually run a race for Project Purple centered around my birthday. And clearly with social distancing and everything that's going on in the world today, um, that's just not a reality. It's just not a reality to get together with friends and strangers and go run you know, the Lincoln Marathon, which is in the spring, or the OC Marathon, or even some of the local races here in Connecticut that they have such a great offering of races. And so for this year, what I decided, and I, I kind of did this last minute, uh, about a week prior to my birthday, was to theme this around my birthday turning 46. And so what I did was uh, piggybacking off of your theme, which was, you know, to use the date as itself as kind of the distance and also the meaning around it was I did the 4.6 for my 46. And so I asked people to either run, walk, or jog the 4.6 miles and gave them an option. You know, pricing was the same. It wasn't any different, uh, but it was really centered around my birthday and something that I think is really simple to do. Um, you know, it's not really anything complex. Um, you're just taking the date of your birthday and, and you know, what the date correlates to in terms of your age and then setting that out to be uh, some sort of mileage or some sort of uh, mark uh, with with regards to what you're doing. So for me, it was pretty simple. I've got to say, I probably have a, the easiest one out of the three here that we'll talk about because I just took my birthday, uh, made that the date, and then kind of move forward You know, with regards to uh, making that 4.6 for 46. And I found, you know, with doing it with the timing that I had, um, you know, it kind of did resonate a little bit. I think, you know, 46 isn't like a monumental birthday, but I think the one thing that I did realize, and I know this has changed and this is interesting as we have this dialogue in terms of talking about what was different then, you know, we're talking about April and May and we're in June. So we're not talking about months, you know, we're talking about weeks in terms of difference was there were, you know, social gathering wasn't even allowed, right? Even in April, there wasn't any social gathering in May, there still wasn't any social gathering. And, you know, there were all these birthday parades. So, um, you know, maybe for me, one of the successes that I had was that there wasn't birthday parades and that there were able to you know, have people rally around this and do this on that day because they could do it by themselves and they didn't have a lot of things going on. So that was, uh, that was my event 4.6 for my 46. So next we're going to pass it off to Vin and, uh, Vin's going to share what he put together, uh, for his virtual campaign. And his was a little bit different than both of ours because his was kind of an ongoing event. So with that, Vin, I'm going to pass the mic over to you. Thank you. So, yeah, mine was a little bit different, and it, it sort of started just as a brainchild of me wanting to get a little bit more active um, and trying new techniques to engage the fitness community, because obviously all the gyms were closed, and I wasn't working out as much as I could or should have been um, or wanted to, and then all of our events through the gyms were canceled and postponed. So, 
tying into the running campaign, I think I had talked to Keelan at one time and was like, I need to come up with a name for this because I want to like run. And she was like, just make it easy. Make, make May Miles matter. So I ran with that. And yeah, thank you, Keelan. I appreciate that. Um, so I, my campaign title was make May Miles matter. Um, and I wanted to test this out and trying to figure out numbers. I went off the 3.1. So I ran a 5k a day for the month of May. So 31 days of 5Ks. And that came out to 96.1 miles. And I like round numbers, so I added on four more miles because four out of five people die within one year that are diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. So if I stayed with that timeline at the end of May, May 31st, I would have been at 100.1 miles. So I started this off, and May 1st, I ran my first 5K for my uncle. Um, went out, didn't really know what to expect in terms of like response, but I did a pledge per mile campaign. So I would post it on Facebook and say, I'm running this, explain it. And people could pledge as little as a penny per mile, or they could make a flat donation, whatever they felt comfortable doing. And from there, I would go out every morning at six thirty, seven o'clock and run 3.1. And then I started adding in a little different caveat to it where I dedicated every single day to somebody that we have either lost or has is diagnosed and battling pancreatic cancer. Um, for me, I think that was a little bit easier and a little bit new, easier of a twist to put on it because of being where I am and having the connections that I have through Project Purple. But also, I would post on my Facebook after my run, I would video and say who that run was for and then post a picture of my watch you know that my garmin with the time or the the distance that i ran and as i kept posting that like as the days started going on and there were some days where i would be running low on people to dedicate for um i started getting messages from number one people that were saying could you dedicate a day to my mom and uncle whoever and then i would just add them in uh, on an open day and then the second part is that as i had four three other people reach out and ask me what i was doing and if they could be a part of it so they actually joined the quote-unquote team or joined the campaign and did their own 3.1s during the same period of time um and it turned into a big thing. They were posting it. Um, actually, I didn't even realize this, but one of the girls, Jennifer, um, she broke her ankle at the end, towards the end of her runs. And I think she had like 10 or 12 miles to go. Her community in Bay and um, Babylon, New York, like all got together. I think it was 10 or so people and each did a mile so she could get to her 100 miles. So the whole thing for me on that, it was... It was personal. Um, it was very emotional. And like, having that connection to be able to go out and then make that video just gave it a little bit of extra like story to it that it was including more people and helping raise that awareness. And every single one of those people, I think, shared my video because I would tag them in it. Um, so I went out and ran 3.1 miles a day every day. And three of those days or four of those days, I ran an extra mile. So I equaled it out to the 100 you really kind of embraced kind of the entire community and you know clearly the program was a little bit different uh, than the previous two Keelan and myself because it was a set date 
it was for, you know, I did it and also in honor of my dad, you know, clearly uh, my reasons why and Keelan for her aunt. But I think the one thing that was really cool to see was to see how many people really got around it uh, with Vins is just because he was choosing multiple people every, every run he did, which was really cool to see. Awesome. Let's move to the second question. Um, and I think this is something that people ask a lot. And I think this is probably, I wouldn't say the most important thing, because I think they're all really kind of important in my opinion. But I know one of the biggest excuses we get from participants is I don't have the time. And everyone, you know, is busy in their life. We understand that. But I think one of the critical pieces to the success of all these is how much time you've spent into that. And I want to phrase this question in, the, in this context is not time actually running this. I mean, I think Vin's going to have a little bit of a different answer clearly because he was running every day, but the time spent and how we are defining that is how much time did you spend in actually putting this together, marketing it, soliciting donations, um, and anything else that was not related to physically running the event itself. So with that, back over to Keelan. Time-wise, the setup for mine was, I mean, I reached out to Vin and we connected to set up the race roster page. And, you know, I mean, it maybe a half hour total to set up the entire like registration page. And that was, I mean, that's mainly, you know, I think it took, it, it could have been less time, but I took that long because I really wanted to draw people into my aunt's story and it being her birthday and, you know, wanting to make people have a connection to the cause. Um, and then once the page was set up for registration, I used social media um, to promote it. And I would honestly say it was probably like 15 minutes a day of just creating posts for Facebook and creating things for Instagram um, to promote it. And then in the evening, um, one thing that I specifically did that I think was like key to the success of registration was um, every evening I would take like 15 minutes and I would thank each individual person that registered for the event publicly um, and put up a picture of them. And if they had lost someone to pancreatic cancer, I would mention, you know, who that was. And um, A, you know, it's letting the people know that you're appreciative of their support because a lot of the people were paying the $14 registration fee, but they were donating far beyond that. Um, so wanting to immediately thank my donors and then people were seeing this all over my Instagram stories and on Facebook. So then they would say they would usually every time I would post something would message, oh, I've been meaning to register. I'm going to go do that now. So, I mean, I work around 50 hours a week. I mean, it was, it was nothing for me to take, you know, 15 minutes a day to thank some donors and post some stuff, um, on social media. It was, you know, um, as far as like compared to other things I've done, this was probably the least amount of time to generate probably what some of the most amount of funds I've raised. So I've got a second question part of that. So if we break out for our listeners at home, time spent on social media and then promoting, 
or marketing and then time spent to actually physically put it together? I mean, yeah, it was, I mean, it was a half hour to set up the page. That was it. I mean, that was so so easy. easy. Yeah. (laughs) So easy. easy. And then the bulk of your time is spent promoting on social media. Yeah. That was the only way I promoted. Yeah. Awesome. So I will share with you on mine and, and I did, you know, mentioned this in the very beginning, you know, I, I put this all together pretty quickly. So it, again, same thing as Keelan. It took me about 30 minutes to put together the page. If that, I don't think I was as like creative in terms of like the banner. Um, you know, I did post a couple times to social media. I believe I posted three times to Facebook and twice to Instagram which were my two ways of kind of using social media in this. And um, all time spent was probably less than four hours. I will tell you this for audience listening at home and something that I did a little bit differently, um, which now we do have the ability to allow this to everyone. You are kind of the first test case, guinea pig, whatever you want to call it. Where, well, I, I say that in the sense that we didn't have the things that we did, we learned. And this is a constant evolution with these things, right? Yeah. So for me, I was able to do custom bibs um, or semi-custom bibs. And that was an idea that we came about, like, how do we make this virtual event more impactful for our participants? I also did finisher certificates, which we now offer for everyone. So if anyone's listening and they want to replicate this, these are the things, the resources that we have along with, you know, Vin and the rest of the staff to help build out a page similar to what, you know, you did and what I did uh, for our pages. So, you know, for me, the bulk of the time, quite honestly, was spent emailing people after they had registered the personalized bib and the finisher certificate posts. So all told, I probably spent about five hours into it, but the majority, I would say about 80% of that time was literally follow-up with registrants that had registered, whether it was sending them a bib, uh, sending them a thank you, or sending them their finisher certificate post the date. So again, all in all, not a lot of time put into it. Uh, which is kind of fascinating. Once we go over the next question, which is the results, I think people will really realize the power to this. So Vin, now I know yours was a little bit different uh, just because of running through the whole month. So again, to pose the question to you, how much time you spent into this, not counting the time that you were actually physically running. Yeah, not counting the running um, much, much less. So I actually used a platform called pledgeit.org. Um, it's very simple, easy to set up. I think my total time, and it's not involved on the setup or the the you know donation page or campaign page. It's very, what's your story? Why are you doing it? Like straight to the point. Um, I this the, the time to set up the page was probably like fifteen minutes. It really wasn't bad, and that was mostly just me wanting to word everything correctly and make sure everything was in an order and made coherent sense. I mean, from there, it outside of the running, it, it, I made a 45-second max video at the end of my runs to dedicate the run to somebody and just keep everybody updated, and then took a picture of my watch and posted it on Facebook and, that was, and Instagram. And that was really the extent of how I promoted it. I didn't 
email people asking for donations specifically. I didn't send out like email list to my contacts or anything. I would just post and say, I ran May 1st for Bill Camp. He died or was diagnosed and died in his age and left my link for people to donate if they wanted to. Um, didn't necessarily ask for anything. So for my end, outside of that running again, literally max 25 minutes and literally 45 seconds to two minutes to three minutes a day making the post. And then I would do those in the morning and then carry on with my day. So it was very not, not time consuming at all on my end. So Vin, if we had to kind of guess here, uh, like five minutes a day, Five, yeah, max five minutes a day, and it would be thirty like days. Make, make the video, days. post it, update the tally—not the tally, but update the dates um, with who it was dedicated to in a post. So probably five minutes a day, max. So all told, time in for the month of May was probably an hour or two. An hour, get, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for for the entire month, probably like less than an hour. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, great. So for our audience listening at home, I'm going to do some quick math here. Keelan, you said it was about two hours. Like total? Like Total. Yeah, would yeah. Pro- yeah probably like so yeah, from start to end. Two hours total. I said four, but I said, you know, that a lot of that was more the administrative stuff. And Vin, we're going to go with like an hour to two hours. So we'll even round up. So uh, for audience listening at home that isn't keeping track Two hours for Keelan, four hours for Dino, two hours for Vin. And there's a reason why I'm asking this, um, which we'll get to later in the call or later in this podcast. But my next question then now is the results. And all this sounds great. You can have the best idea. And I don't mean to sound insensitive, but uh, results matter, right? And we are in a results-driven world, and we want to talk about the results. We wouldn't be suggesting that people do these things if they don't achieve results that you know are successful. So with that, Keelan, what was your result? So I wound up, I started two weeks before the registration, you know, it was, I started two weeks before my aunt's birthday um, that I started promoting. And by the time it was done, I had, I think, 91 people registered, um, literally from all over the country. Um, And the final tally was, I think, 2,600 and... I don't know, $602, 61. I don't know. You're like flashing them hand signals. $2,621 <laughs> okay. is what the yes. tally was and 91 runners. Yes. So two hours spent, two weeks prior, $2,621, 91 participants. Yeah. Not too shabby, as they say. No, I think that actually is my most successful fundraising, fundraising event, like, like one single, event, single one event. and done. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. So I'll go next. So I launched mine, I think I mentioned six days before my birthday, spent four hours total time between Facebook, race roster, donations, registrations. So I had 56 people register. I had some international people. I had people in France. I had people in Ireland. Um, and then naturally here in the United States. And 
I think I might have had Canada too. So I had a little bit of international flair, not to brag, but just to give people perspective that this can be done anywhere in the world, not just here in the United States. Um, I raised collectively $2,279 total. Not too shabby for four hours of work, um, I must say, within five days. So pretty good results so far. Vin, moving on to Vin, what was your total, Vin? So mine was a little different because I did have the other three people that joined in. So I'm going to give a couple numbers on here. My personal one on my sole campaign was $1,930. So $1,930 on my individual one campaign with 33 donors that donated to that campaign with including the other three people that ended up joining me in the runs, the total was 4534 so $4,534. And they had 18, 15, and four donations um, on their pages. I'm just doing the quick math here, Vin. <laughs> Um, so if you do the math, if we, if we, so if we look at this from a pure macro standpoint of the outcome and results of all these events, we, we collectively put in, and I'll just, again, for people listening at home, go over this again, two hours for Keelan, four hours for me, two hours for Vin. And I think we all say we're kind of rounding up there and being very generous with the time that we use a total of eight hours total, but we grossed close to $10,000 for eight hours of work. That's not too bad. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. I think it's a testament also to our community. Clearly, um, you know, our community is one community that I feel is, is really passionate about this mission and this cause. So before we forget, we've got to thank all the folks listening that support you know, Project Purple in any capacity, whether they supported any three of these events or any of the other virtual fundraisers. There's been a quite a few virtual fundraisers that have had really good success here over the last three months. Um, so we can't do it without those folks that support us. But I will say, you know, close to ten thousand dollars raised, eight hours of work. You know, if we if we look at shared numbers, we had well in excess, you know, close to two hundred over two hundred donors or participants that actually participated, learned a little bit about Project Purple, hopefully more about what pancreatic cancer does and how it impacts families and from a disease, and most importantly, raised a lot of money in a very short period of time. So thank you guys for sharing your success. I know sometimes it's not easy to have, uh, you know, uh, the questions and, and to do these things. I mean, there is a physical aspect to this. I mean, the money just doesn't come in. There's time that you put in. We all kind of ran events. Vin, you did it a little bit longer because you ran for the whole month, uh, which is a testament to your fortitude and your strength. But uh, really appreciate you guys sharing the success with our audience here and hopefully we will see people replicate these ideas. Um, anything else that you guys want to share with the audience and I'll throw it back to Keelan first. Um, I think if you are, if you want to go ahead and execute, you know, an event like similar to mine, um, I think it's just, like I said, it didn't take me very long to set up my page, but 
I think the best advice I could give to someone is be strategic with your story to really allow people to connect to why you're doing this. Um, you know, for me, with it being my aunt's birthday, you know, a lot of the people that registered and wound up participating, um, even though they didn't know my aunt, I was getting a lot of messages about how specifically connected they felt uh, to the cause by doing it on her birthday um, for her. I had people that actually had ran for the first time ever um, for a full mile or some people, you know, challenge themselves to try and run all four. So I think there's a there's a value to how you can present things too. So, I mean, if, if you're going to spend a little extra time on anything, I think it's just creating your story that you can share um, with the masses because I think, you know, so many of us have a story to share that, you know, you know, maybe that's what gets people to continue to support Project Purple is because they hear about your you know, they heard about my aunt or they heard about your dad or, you know, Vin, your family, you know, they, they hear about that and it draws them to the awareness of this sort of crappy club that so many of us are a member of, um, and they choose to continue to support. So I, I had a new donor pool, um, with this too, which was kind of nice too. Um, cause I've been running for six years. So, you know, I always try to get creative about, um, my fundraising. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. And I think the, the one thing that's really powerful is I think that donor pool. And, and so if someone has fundraised a lot in the past for various organizations and not necessarily Project Purple, I think this is a great way to engage kind of a new audience potentially in this new world of philanthropy. I'm going to pass it over to Vin. Vin, anything else that you would add yeah, I mean, the biggest thing on mine that I saw, and I mean, working with Project Purple, obviously, I know the numbers and the statistics, um, and we promote it or talk about it all the time and like try to get it out to the public and the masses because it's that awareness, right? Um, and anyone that has dealt with this knows those. What I, I guess, didn't realize was how many people don't fully grasp them as much as I did. So during my runs, yeah, like I said before, I would post the day, who it was for, their age, and how long they fought or how long they were fighting. And I think they, I, I never really went back and looked at that list and did the math, but I would 99% sure say that those numbers, you know, very much correlated to the four out of five die in one year and the 10% survival rate. Um, and I had a lot of questions once those numbers started to compile through my Facebook posts of all of the ages and all of the amount of time battled, I would get messages that said, I didn't realize those numbers are grotesque. I didn't realize it was that bad. Um, so like, like piggybacking on what Keelan said, you know, telling that story, it just, people just don't realize it. And I think for me, being able to put and honor those people and in a sad way put how low or how short their battles were resonated with a lot of people and again i think that reached out to new donors uh, like we you know like you were just saying is how do we get new donors or how do we get new people involved um i had a girl run that just wanted to run so it's an, it was a new runner a new person that knows about us now and i think four or five of the runs were dedicated to people that weren't like 
affiliated with us in any way. So it was just getting, you know, expanding our bandwidth and reaching out to new people. The other thing with the platform that I use is that it doesn't have to be running, which what I would say. So if you're a sports team and your sports team wants to do some philanthropy work and you're a basketball team, you could do, we're going to shoot free throws for an hour or two after practice. Let's donate per free throw that we make and collect pledges. It can be for anything. It can be for sports. It could be, you need, you think of it, you could, you need you can do it on this this pledge per whatever campaign um and it's just getting creative and sharing that story and i mean for me it wasn't even asking people for donations people were just wanted to give once they saw that story unfolding and i think mine was a little bit different because it was a progressive story and it wasn't just on the page um so it was just a different angle and a new way to to go about it yeah, I, I agree with you, Vin, and uh, you know I'll second that comment in the sense that, you know, the platform that we used, which was a little bit different that you used for that campaign, was a little bit different in Pledge It, and I think that's the one thing that I think virtual has not just become about running. And clearly, there were three events here that encompassed running, walking, jogging, but there's so many other things that people are into and, and, you know, you can still have that impact with those things, uh, with these tools. And, and the one thing in, that I was going to say here, and I may, I've been making notes here as I usually do on all my podcasts here, but the one thing I wanted to add was the purpose of this podcast was to hopefully share with our audience and whether it's someone who's hearing us for the first time or someone who's listened to our podcast in the past, it's not about the ideas because ideas are really inexpensive. They're cheap, but it's how you execute. It's how you get creative and it's how that you present this, whatever you're doing, the walk, the run, the burpees, the, you know, the cooking, um, whatever you're doing to that audience and execution is really the difference. And I think that's something that I think naturally we're in a very adverse time with the COVID pandemic and not being able to socially gather with our friends and our family. Well, now we can in some aspect, but you know, a couple months ago they were just, you know, telling everyone to stay home and not even to go see your mom and your dad, you know, and, and stay away from people where those restrictions have kind of loosened up a little bit, but we're still not be able to gather in large functions. And we don't know when that's going to change. It may never, you know, it might not change for the next couple of months. It might be a year. Who knows? Hopefully it's a couple of weeks, but, you know, let's be realistic here. Um, regardless of what the situation is, though, you can still have dramatic impact to Project Purple, we hope, or to another organization, whatever that mission may be. Virtual doesn't mean that it can't be fun, it can't be creative, and you can't have the impact that you would have had if you gathered people together. And I think the other thing is you don't have to spend a lot of time to do this as we've displayed. You know, this takes, you know, very little time and energy, but I think you have to be creative, you have to be smart, you have to be strategic about it. The best thing for our audience listening at home that's followed us and people that are listening in maybe for the first time is you've got a whole support staff here at Project Purple that can help you with this. And we also have a library of case studies. The three you heard today, we have in paper form. 
We also have a slew of other case studies that have worked, that are continuing to work with our runners and our donors and our participants. So we have examples on how this thing works that we can share with you. So with that, I want to thank you for listening to our episode on virtual fundraising strategies. And we are always here for our community to help in any way, even through this pandemic, we will get through this together. Um, We'll continue to support patients battling fun, critical research and be here for the families and give them a positive outlet in a really, really crappy time. I want to thank our guests today for being guests on the Project Purple podcast. If you like what you hear today, please follow us, share us. Until next time, that's a wrap of another episode of the Project Purple podcast. Thanks for listening. Yeah.